Hey there. Welcome to July, the month wherein we celebrate independence and then spend the rest of the month lying around trying to stay cool. Whether you've got time to sit around soaking up the sun or if you're heading back to work, we're grateful to be along for the ride with a collection of stories, songs, and conversations all intuitively designed to help you groove with the rhythm of the seasons. This month's episode is an exhortation to camp. The weather is perfect to be outside, under the stars, in the mountains, or at the beach where the nights are cool and the days are filled with a whole lot of nothing, if you're lucky. This year, we're forced to miss our annual trip to the mountains because Anne is having her left hip replaced. And since that's taking up most of our time around here, we've prepared a collection of pieces from previous episodes that still hold up pretty well. Back in 2021, I invited some of my friends and family members to share their childhood experiences of summer camp and sing some rowdy camp songs. We're replaying those stories and songs this month. Double Batch Daddy share with us a classic campfire song that, in my opinion, gets bad rap, as well as a piece that goes well with our Independence Day celebrations. John Ballinger is here to cool off with a summer breeze. We revisit Matt and Carol Almos's radio show about how a visit to summer camp really helps a small boy grow up in some unexpected ways. And later on, I'll talk a bit about what I learned being a camper, counselor, and leader in training at various summer camps I attended in my youth. So, here we are. The 4th of July is behind us, and there isn't another holiday until Labor Day at the beginning of September, The days seem longer, but that's only because it's so damned hot outside. They're actually getting shorter. Sunrise in Los Angeles came at 5.52, and it sets at 8.05 this evening. It's the slow time of year. The corn is getting up to where even the elephants can see it. We're sticky from eating peaches, plums, nectarines, and watermelon— The excitement that comes at the end of the school year has passed, and that twinge of anxiety that means we're going back to school hasn't set in yet. The old song says these are the lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer, but in the church calendar, it's just ordinary time, which runs all the way until the first Sunday in Advent, which usually falls right after Thanksgiving in November. As I sit down to write this, it's been a week since the 4th of July, but I'm still thinking of all of my friends who expressed some form of shame at celebrating the birth of America. These are good, hardworking, well-educated folks who look around and see a world that is warming just as it was predicted it would over 50 years ago. And they see our elected government bending over backward to accommodate the folks responsible for the situation. They become aware of the rampant injustices our nation has condoned, from slavery to westward expansion to a war on drugs that only seems to apply to people of color. They've seen their options for medical care taken away by the courts. They've experienced working harder and harder for less and less, while the corporations they work for get public tax dollars to build warehouses and tax breaks to keep them running. Many of my friends are part of a gig economy that transfers a large portion of the money they work for and used to keep into the hands of folks who run and own a phone app. Housing prices and interest rates are way up, making it nearly impossible to buy a home. They see one set of laws for the wealthy and connected and another for the rest of us, and they realize that it's always been this way, and they wonder if there's any way to slow or stop it. In the midst of all this is the call of independence, the truth that all of us are created equally and are endowed by our Creator with the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The founders of America recognized these as fundamental rights that cannot be taken away. That's the promise of America that we celebrate on July 4th. We may argue about how far we are from that ideal, and we are, but the ideal is still there as a guiding light inviting us to return to the path of independence. One year, 
when we were camping in the Sierra Nevada mountains, my mom, my wife, my son, and I went for an ambitious day hike to Donner Peak, then across to Mount Judah, which was the only peak in the region that my mom had never visited. Even though it was late July, we had to cross patches of snow on the trail, which took us to a thrilling ridge with awe-inspiring vistas to the east and the west. The trail was maybe ten feet wide with steep drops off either side. It was gorgeous. On the way back down, we came to a fork in the road. We followed the fork that appeared to head back towards the car, but soon found it was blocked by a large tree trunk. So we headed back to the crossroads. I scouted the road that headed in the opposite direction, hoping it would bend back around, but it did not. When I reported that it seemed the other trail was heading deeper into the forest rather than back to the car, my son started to panic. He has a nervous temperament, which he got from me, I'm certain. But I made it clear that while we were stuck, we weren't stranded. I absolutely knew which way the car was, and we had plenty of daylight to make it back to the car, even if we needed to walk through the forest to get there. Ultimately, we decided to try the first trail a second time and go around or over the tree that blocked the path to see what was on the other side. After a short scramble over the trunk, we found that it wasn't a dead end after all. The trail led us back to our car, which took us back to our campsite. If you share the feeling that you're losing faith and hope in the radical promise of equality and inclusion contained in our Declaration of Independence, I'd invite you to do what we did in our hike. Assess where you are, remember where you came from, and see if the path you're on is leading you closer to or further away from life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Maybe the log blocking your path isn't a dead end. Maybe you'll find help to get over it to the other side where the path continues and leads you back to the road you want to be on. As my good friends Tim and Tom Zender once wrote, it's finding a voice so long forgotten. It's waking the giant so long asleep. When peaceful people don't let money drive their message, their message survives the spin of words purchased. It's all of God's creation getting in the way as unheard voices sing. This is what democracy looks like.
a marshmallow. Are you a toast it or torch it person? Either way, we've got graham crackers and Hershey's chocolate, or if you're feeling fancy, I got a couple squares of Ghirardelli dark chocolate with raspberries. Warm your hands, warm your behind, and settle in. Feel free to sing along or just sit back and let these stories and songs wash over you here at our virtual campfire. Fried ham, fried ham, cheese and bologna, and after the macaroni we'll have onions, pickles and pretzels, and then we'll have some more fried ham, fried ham, fried ham. Second verse, same as the first. British accent, whole lot worse. Fried ham, fried ham, cheese and bologna. I was a summer camp counselor at a Sherwood Forest camp, and the first thing that they had the kids do when they showed up at Sherwood Forest camp was to give themselves a Sherwood Forest name, which was a part of your name, the letter O, and then something funny. So, for example, I had a friend who was really strong, and he called himself Paul O. Bunyan. Uh, There was a girl who was very clever who called herself Loreo Cookie. Uh, My name was Far O'Near, which is also my Twitter handle. Uh, And so all the kids get together, and they're getting clever. And this one little shy kid comes up to me, and he says, Far O'Near? I can't think of a good name for myself. I said, okay, what's your name? He goes, Ty. Oh, that's easy. How about Ty O'Not? And he gave me this look that was like, what the heck are you talking about? And by this time, all the tunics and hats were gone. His was the last one left. It's like, hurry up. You got to go. Ty O'Not, it's a great name. Trust me. Get out of here. Go. Three minutes later, he comes back wearing the last tunic and the last hat in all of Sherwood Forest with the name Todd O. Knott printed on it. few things I remember about my first summer camp experience. First of all, I was five years old and I really wanted to go to this camp that was outside of Chicago and I wasn't of age. You had to be seven years old. So my mom, being the resourceful person she always was, she got herself hired as the camp nurse. And so then she got to bring me along as her son and we spent the summer at this amazing, wonderful summer camp. There are some things that have definitely changed over the years. I googled this camp uh, to just see, if, and it's still around. And one thing that does not appear in any of the advertisements is their snake pit. We used to have a snake pit, and 
the counselors would jump down into this like cement pit and they would hand you a, they would pick up a garter snake and they would hand it to you that you could play with. Another thing that does not seem anywhere in the promotional catalogs is the firing range. I turned six years old while I was uh, in camp and for my sixth birthday, I was given a box of 100 rounds to fire off with the rifle. And even though I'm not the biggest fan of guns, that was pretty cool. I was so excited my sophomore year to be a counselor for a sleepaway camp. And I was given the five-year-olds. The second day, we were going to be doing the tug-of-war in the mud pit. The five-year-olds were going against the six-year-olds. We get to the mud pit, and we see that it is a eight-foot by eight-foot deep mud mud pit that you would have to fall into if you lost. So anyway, we start this tug-of-war, and... Um, and we, of course, are losing, and I have a hold of the rope, and I have all the five-year-olds uh, like holding the rope, and all of a sudden, I get tugged into the mud, but the kids don't want to get <laughs> muddy, and so they start climbing up my body <laughs> to not get into the mud. They keep pounding on my behind my knees to jump up to my shoulders and onto my head to escape the mud as I fall smack into the mud as kids run over my body to get to the other side. It was just horrifying, but none of the kids got muddy uh, besides me, and my knee uh, starts to swell the size of a water a watermelon, and, um, and that was the end of my camp experience because, you know, as soon as my knee became so huge, they had a call for the helicopter to come airlift me out and I got airlifted out which was really cool I'd never been in a helicopter before down by the bay down by the bay where the watermelons grow where the watermelons grow back to my home back to my home I would not go I would not go or if I did or if I did my mother would say my mother would say did you ever see a bear in its underwear down by the bay I love summer camp. I've been involved in summer camps, leading summer camps, and of course being a participant. And to this day when I hear summer camp, I always remember back my first week away from home without mom and dad. Started with a 45-minute car ride to the harbor, over two hours on the ocean to get to Catalina Island. I had some friends with me, but I met a lot of new people. I was out of my normal routine, and I fell in love with it. It was super fun, crazy fun activities to do. But because it was a church camp, I also had moments to go deep. Moments to contemplate, think about life, the meaning of life. I found my faith there at camp, became part of that camp high for me. And camp was so awesome, so fun. And then uh, I had to go back to the real world. And I remember discussing that while I was there one time and a counselor told me, oh, no, no, this right here is the real world. This little slice of heaven, just own it. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain in my soul. I got joy like a fountain. I got joy like a fountain. Um, I never went to a traditional summer camp somewhere deep in the woods. Uh, I went to day camps, specifically arts camps every summer. So uh, I was either at Marywood Music Camp or Arts Alive, two of the big arts offerings in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I don't really remember specific events or things happening. Uh, well, there was an Equus monologue, but anyway, uh, it's the people that I met. Um, I think of my friend Heather, who walked in the door the first day with 
big chunky glasses and a pink pixie cut and a chainmail bra that she just casually wore over her shirt. I think of my friend Kelly, who the first words I ever heard out of her mouth were her threatening another girl, saying, If you do that again, I swear to Christ I'm going to spit on you. She became my girlfriend through a lot of high school. Uh... There was my friend Tony, who had a filthy sense of humor, but a beautiful singing voice. And he had a perm that he was always trying to tell us that his mom made him get, but I don't know if I believe him. It was those people that really made it special, because I was away from my public school, and I got to meet people who actually were like me, and I knew that I wasn't a freak. There was an island of misfit toys, and I was just one of them, so... It was always great to be able to go to that island for a few weeks every summer. There was this kid named Ziggy, and he liked to hide in places where kids usually wouldn't hide. And and I have to tell you that this kid is like six foot. He's like a string bean. He's very, very skinny, but he's very, very tall. So... You wouldn't think that he'd be able to hide in these places that we would find him, but, you know, we'd find him hiding in, like, cupboards. Like, we'd find him under the sink. And one of my favorite ones was I, I walked, there was, like, a hallway behind the stage where the kids would perform. And the, there was, like, a wall, like, a section of a wall where it was kind of like a hollowed-out wall. And I had, like, a little, like, grate. I remember one time I was walking by, I was walking by the hallway, and I see these two kids, like, staring at this grate. And I was like, what are you guys doing? And they were like, they looked at me and they were like, I think Ziggy's in the wall. Sure enough, the grate has been removed from like its place. And there's like a little hole in the wall, like three (laughs) by three. So it's like, how the hell did Ziggy get there? He can't be in the wall. So I stick my head in the wall. And sure enough, Ziggy's like standing straight up, like up against the wall, inside the wall. And he's like in his own world. And I was like, Ziggy. And he goes, (gasps) like, like I'm the one shocking him. So. Ready? The lyrics are, ho row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, yo. Ho row, people will look at me like, ho row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, yo. The bog down in the valley. Ho row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, yo. Ho row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, yo. Try that again. It sounds pretty good. Oh, it's it's valio. No, the ho. Yeah, no, it's not about. It's not about. Yo, ho. Rowing, rowing in Echo Park. <laughs> row, ho. No, it's ho, row. I don't know what that is. It's some kind of Irish thing. So, ho, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. Ho, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. That's going to just repeat and repeat and repeat. So it's going to be like A, B, A, B, call and response. So. Everybody, one, two, three, four. Ho, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. Ho, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. And in this bog there was a hole, a rare hole, a rattling hole, hole in the bog, in the bog down in the valley, oh. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. And in this hole there was a tree, a rare tree, a rattling tree, tree in the hole, in the hole, in the bog, in the bog down in the valley, oh. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. There was a limb, a rare limb, a rattling limb, limb on a tree, in a tree, in a hole, in the hole, in the bog, in the bog down in the valley, oh. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. And on this limb there was a branch, a rare branch, a rattling branch, branch on a tree, in a tree, in the limb, in a tree, in the hole, in the hole, in the bog, in the bog down in the valley, oh. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. Branch, there was a twig, a rare twig, a rattling twig. Twig on the branch, and the branch on the limb, and the limb on the tree, and the tree in the hole, and the hole in the bog, and the bog down in the valley. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley. Oh, oh, the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley. Oh, and on the 
tree there was a nest, a rare nest, a rat and nest. Nest on the twig and the tree and the branch and the branch on the tree and the tree and the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley of Oh, oh, rat and bog, the bog down in the valley of Oh, oh, rat and bog, the bog down in the valley of And on this nest there was a leg, a rare egg, a rattling leg. And on that egg there sat a bird, a rare bird, a rattling bird. Bird on the egg and the egg and the nest and the nest and the twig and the twig and the branch and the branch and the limb and the limb and the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley of oh, oh, the rattling bog, bog down in the valley of oh, oh, the rattling bog, bog down in the valley of And on this bird there was a feather of rare feather, a rattling feather. On the bird and the bird on the egg and the egg and the nest and the nest on the twig and the twig and the branch and the branch on the limb and the limb on the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley of oh oh the rattling bog the bog down in the valley of oh oh the rattling bog the bog down in the valley of we did the feather right yeah short term memory loss John and on this feather there sat a tick a rare tick a rattling tick. On the feather and the feather and the bird and the bird and the egg and the egg and the nest and the nest and the twig and the twig and the branch and the branch and the limb and the limb and the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley of oh oh the rattling bog the bog down in the valley of oh oh the rattling bog the bog down in the valley of and on this tip there sat a flea a rare flea a rattling flea flea on the tick and the tick on the feather and the feather and the bird and the bird and the egg and the egg and the nest and the nest and the twig and the twig and the branch and the branch on the limb and the limb on the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley. There sat a leg, a rare leg, a rattling leg. Leg on the flea and the flea on the tick and the tick on the feather and the feather and the bird and the bird on the egg and the egg and the nest and the nest and the twig and the twig and the branch and the branch and the limb and the limb on the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley of oh oh rattling bog bog down in the valley of oh oh rattling bog bog down in the valley of and on that leg there wore a shoe, rare shoe, a rattling shoe. On the leg and the leg on the flea and the flea on the tick and the tick on the feather and the feather on the bird and the bird on the egg and the egg and the nest and the nest and the twig and the twig and the branch and the branch on the limb and the limb on the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley oh oh rattling bog bog down in the valley oh oh rattling bog bog down in the valley oh and on that shoe there was a heel a rare heel a rattling heel. On the shoe and the shoe on the leg and the leg on the flea and the flea on the tick and the tick on the feather and the feather on the bird and the bird on the egg and the egg on the nest and the nest on the twig and the twig on the branch and the branch on the limb and the limb on the tree and the tree and the hole and the hole and the bog and the bog down in the valley of oh oh rattling bog bog down in the valley of oh oh rattling bog bog down in the valley of and what do you think was on that heel? A fucking nail is what it was. A rare nail, a rattling nail. <laughs> nail in the heel, heel on the shoe. Shoe on the leg, and the leg on the flea, and the flea on the tick, and the tick on the feather, and the feather on the bird, and the bird on the egg, and the egg and the nest, and the nest, and the twig, and the twig, and the branch, and the branch, and the limb, and the limb, and the tree, and the tree, and the hole, and the hole, and the hog, and the hog, and the valley. Very special thanks to all of our contributors to this attempt to recreate a little taste of summer nights at the campfire. You heard Naila, Janae, Ruby, Vice, and Anne singing Fried Ham. Joe Hernandez-Kolsky shared about snakes and guns. Tim and Tom Zender sang Michael, Row Your Boat Ashore. 
Anclos Farley got caught in a tug of war and led the gathered in a rendition of Down by the Bay. Tom Zender shared about Catalina Camp, and the Zender brothers sang Peace Like a River. J.P. Carliac found the island of misfit toys, and Ruby Farley found Ziggy hiding in the wall. Our sing-along finale featured John Ballinger leading Anne, Ruby, Vice, Matt, Carol, Olivia, and me in the Ratlin Bog. Shining through the window Let's me know everything's alright Summer breeze Makes me feel fine Blowing through the jasmine in my mind Summer breeze Makes me feel fine Blowing through the jasmine Rhythm of the Seasons is a true labor of love. I spend a lot of time laboring to bring these podcasts to you, and I do love it. Thanks to your generous donations, we've been able to pay the bills for our website, logo, and even share a tiny little bit of money with the folks who contribute their time and talents to make this podcast what it is, namely, a chance to check in with the world as it moves through its endless cycle of birth, growth, withering, death, and new life. If you like what you hear, if you take something away from this podcast, an idea, a song, or just a laugh, we invite you to join Hope from Hollywood, John from Celebration, Florida, Shadow from Fairlawn, Ohio, and Tim and Barbara, my parents, from Sacramento, by making a donation to the cause. It's easy. Just head to livefromtheloungepodcast.com. That's livefromtheloungepodcast.com and hit the donate button. Every dollar you share with us goes right back into the creation of this podcast. Thanks in advance for your generosity. 
Summertime means the return of that all-American rite of passage, sleepaway camp. For many campers, this will be the first time they've spent a single night away from their parents, much less several weeks. Let's face it, few among us are ready for personal growth when it is thrust upon us. 11-year-old Kevin Parker is no exception to that rule. Standing on the steps of his cabin at Camp Sunflower, clutching his backpack like a life preserver, he can't believe his parents are abandoning him in this God-forsaken wilderness for six long weeks. Aw, oh, come on, bud. You're going to be okay. You're going to love it here. You'll see. No, I won't. Do you need a tissue, honey? Are you allergic? I don't have allergies. I don't want to stay here. Now, come on, buddy. It's natural to be a little nervous, but you got to toughen up. You're not a little kid anymore. Please take me home. You know, I hated summer camp at first, but now, when I look back on it, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I grew up a lot that summer. That's right, and I think you learned some new skills, too, didn't you? Oh, sure. Like how to make a fire and... Um... Well, there's just so much to learn. Crafts, yodeling... I don't want to yodel! Hey, buddy, you gotta toughen up, okay? Don't be a baby. Honey. Look, bud, all I'm saying is give it a chance, and I bet you'll end up having a good time. He's right, honey. You'll see. Okay, come here and give me a hug. Mmm... You're my brave little guy. You're our strong little man, okay? High five. You got this. Time will fly by before you know it. Six weeks later... Are you sure this is the spot where we're supposed to meet him? I mean, it has to be. Look at all the other families. Well, where's Kevin? I'm sure he's here. Oh, let's get the sign ready. Yeah, sure. Maybe this counselor knows where he is. Excuse me, sorry to bother you. Hey, hey. Uh, Yeah, we're Kevin Parker's parents, and we're not seeing him out here. Would you happen to know where he is? Dad, it's me. Kevin? Hey, Mom. You look well. I do? Kevin, you look very different. Huh. Well, the last few weeks have been pretty transformative, I guess. You're significantly taller. Uh Uh-huh. And you have a full beard. You like it? I do not. Got it. Well... Let's table that topic till later. You ready to go? Uh, sure. Wait, uh, I gotta say goodbye to someone. I'll be right back. That is Kevin, right? I believe that is our son, who is kissing a young woman. Wow. That is very... It's very intimate. Yes. All right, I'm ready. Hey, let me see the sign. Oh, yeah, I I made you a... Let's see, it says, Welcome home to our superhero. And there's Iron Man. Aw, that's really cute. Great. Well, let's, uh, get going. Your room and your dirt bike... All your stuff. It's just as you left it. Ryan's been by a couple times. He'll be so excited for you to get back. Great. Does anyone have any Kleenex? Sure. Here you go. There's no shame in it, son. In what? Uh, feeling emotional. (laughs) It's not that. I suspect I have a little summer cold. Probably from the challenge camp we did last week. Got down to the 30s at night. Wow. Burr. They had you sleeping outside in freezing weather? It was fine. Well, I don't remember anything about that in the brochure. It did get a little hairy, to tell you the truth. At night, some kind of large predator circled our tent. I don't mind telling you, we were pretty nervous, but eventually it went away. We had packed all our food into bear lockers, so eventually lost interest. My God. Yeah. The tracks in the morning were tough to identify due to the heavy rain, but... We think it was a bear or a cougar. I mean, those tracks were big, so probably a bear. Oh, my God. I don't even want to think about... It's no big deal. These are the things you have to deal with as a brave little guy. (laughs) Okay, well... Well, I am going to speak to them about that because... Because you could have been killed. Mom, leave it. 
I dealt with it like a brave little man. So, I, uh, couldn't help but notice you hugging an awfully cute little camper as we were leaving. That's a change. You used to think girls were yucky. Come on, bud, you can tell us. I think someone's got a little crush. Do you have a little girlfriend? What's her name, bud? Deborah. Nice name. Will you see her again? Well, um, I guess you could say we're exclusive. Oh, well, I think you may be a little young for that. But I love her. Oh, okay. How was the camp food? I know they eat pretty healthy up there. I suppose you'd be all right if we stopped at Shakey's on the way home? Actually, I was thinking I could make dinner. I caught some trout this morning and got them cleaned up. I was thinking an almondine with a light salad. Do we have arborio rice? I don't know what that is. For risotto. Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I guess we could stop at a store. <sighs> okay. Bud, are you mad at us? Mad at you? I just offered to make dinner. Right. So, your little friend. Deborah. Yes. I think it's great that you like her. And, you know, you have plenty of time to get to know each other. You don't need to be... So, why don't you tell us how you and Deborah met? I mean, what can I tell you? We're, we were on the same kickball team. We got to talking. We found we had a lot in common. Rest is history. Well, what do you have in common? Well, we both like kickball. We don't like falseness or duplicity. But if I had to pick the trait that really binds us, I'd have to say it's a shared sense of grief. Grief? What do you mean, bud? I think the grief is rooted in a growing understanding of the ecological devastation unfolding across the planet. That, and I guess starting to grasp all the things that were available to previous generations that won't be available for me and my children. Got it. Thanks for sharing. You know, if, if you're ever feeling sad, you can talk to your dad and me. That's all right. Deborah and I process our grief through our words and through our lovemaking. Excuse me? What did you just say? No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't worry, Mom. We're being safe. What? Neither of us is ready to start a family. Yet. Okay, okay, that's enough funny guy. I don't know what's so funny about preventing unwanted pregnancies, but to each his own, I guess. No, 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 I, I don't like this. What's wrong? Are you okay, honey? You are only 11. You do not make love. You do not make dinner, for that matter. I, I make dinner, and Dad protects you from bears and cougars. What your mother is saying, I think, is that you seem to have undergone some rather profound changes during camp. Isn't that what you wanted? Yes, but... I mean, I didn't learn to yodel, but I did learn other things. I just feel like I missed it. I put in all this work. All this sacrifice. All the late nights, the sprained ankles, the stomach flus, the teacher conferences, and, and this. Well, this is a jip. Mom, you may not be aware that's a derogatory phrase. So that's all. That's it then. It's over, and I missed it. You're still my parents. That hasn't changed. Yes, but I have this profound sense that you don't need me in the same way you used to. Do you want me to need you? Well, yes, I, I think I do. Dad? I, uh, I mean, you're our little man, but you're our little man. You know what I mean? Hmm. I see. So you want me to need you? Uh, like mom, uh, I'd have to say, uh... Okay. Oh. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks, bud. Yes. Thank you, Kevin. Do you... Still want to make us dinner? No, that's okay. You want to stop at Shakey's? I just want to go home. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. You want to ride bikes tomorrow? Sure, Dad. Whatever you want. Okay.
If you stop to think about it, it's amazing that anyone would ever volunteer to send their children away to summer camp, especially in today's age of rampant parent noia. Yet I see Osprey-level helicopter parents bat nary an eye as they willfully send their 8-, 9-, and 10-year-olds away to locations in the mountains that they've likely never visited, places with eyebrow-raising amenities, far away from creature comforts where their little ones will hike questionable mountain trails, swim in murky lakes, climb rocks, play with bows and arrows, and work with leather. At the end of each day... Their kids will sit around a roaring fire with no one to protect them except other kids who are just a couple years older than their own. Kids who are responsible not just for their kid, but for six or seven others who behave just like them. Yes, that high school junior is responsible for the health and safety of 8 to 12 third graders each week, and his 22-year-old supervisor is likely looking after 30 to 40 kids at a time. How is this prospect sustainable? And yet... Somehow, it is. Somehow, kids taking care of other kids for weeks at a time at a remote location in the mountains is something we, as a society, simply accept. It's a welcome, collective blind spot that might be attributed to the demands of a modern lifestyle, where parents need to keep working and the kids need something to do when they're not in school. It might be the call of the wild, For there is a healthy amount of wildness in us, especially in our youth, and it calls out to be satisfied. Whatever the reason, I'm glad that summer camps have managed to survive. I mostly enjoyed my summer camp experiences. I was that kid that was always a little homesick for a day or two. But I learned a lot at summer camps. I learned to read music. My family moved from Long Beach to Sacramento in the winter of my fifth grade year, and the band program in Sacramento was way ahead of where the program had been at Mark Twain Elementary. They were already reading music, whereas I was playing the trombone off of sheets that simply marked which position my slide should be in. Fortunately, I'd had a little instruction on the piano, so I vaguely understood rhythm, But I was way out of my depth, identifying the notes on the staff and corresponding them to the noise coming out of the bell of my horn. But, rather than admit that I didn't know what I was doing, I adapted. I watched the players next to me and did exactly what they did. Somehow, I got by. After my sixth grade year, my parents sent me to band camp, which was, sadly, not at all like the one depicted in American Pie. I was part of the concert band in the mornings, which allowed me to continue my copycat playing. But jazz band was in the afternoon. And in jazz band, it's one musician to a part. Period. My strategy, mostly, was just to pretend to play. But the conductor, of course, noticed. I'm not hearing that F in the trombone section. Who's got that part? I knew it was me that was not playing the F because I was not playing at all just moving the slide around silently and hoping I wouldn't get busted before the week was over, but no such luck. The guy playing trombone one looked over at my music and pointed to the spot on the page. It's you, man. It's you. That F right there. I looked intensely at the dot on the second line from the top of the bass clef, a combination of panic and dread rising behind my eyes and in my chest. That's the F I'm not playing. That's the F I'm not playing. That's... It's an F. First position. So the space above it must be a G. That's fourth. The one below it is an E. No. E flat. Third position. And suddenly, the bass clef expanded before my eyes, moving away from the line that represents F like an iris in an old silent movie. And I suddenly understood how all the lines and spaces on the page related to F and consequently to the positions on my trombone slide. Uh, sorry, that was my fault. Can you play that line for me? Um, okay. And I found that suddenly I could. I was able to read the roadmap of musical notation, and I followed it across and down the page. Not perfectly, mind you. It wasn't a miracle, but well enough and better every day. 
I returned home from that week away as a moderately proficient player of the trombone. In high school, I spent three weeks away at a leadership training camp. It was there I learned how to play the guitar, sort of. Uh, My friends Tammy, Cindy, and I were determined to learn the chords D, A, C, and G. So Cindy wrote a song called D-A-C-G, and we played it over and over. This is Tammy's song. This is Cindy's song. Everybody sing along. It goes D-A-C-G. It goes D-A-C-G, etc., etc. I learned that you can calculate attention span by allocating one minute for each year of age up to 20. Five-year-olds need to change things up every five minutes, ten-year-olds every ten. Fortunately, that's as easy as turning a page on a picture book, or singing a new song, or shifting location, or changing activity. You ever wonder why TED Talks all fall right around the 20-minute mark? Now you know. One night after dinner, we hiked by moonlight deep into the forest and climbed to a rocky peak in order to lay on our backs and stare at a meteor shower. Deep conversations were bound to follow. We stayed there for hours, discussing whether it might be possible to reconcile the stories of creation with science. We were fortunate that the conversation was moderated by well-read and thoughtful adults, folks just a few years older than we were. Until then, I'd always accepted that you either believed Genesis as a fact or that you believed in the Big Bang Theory. It was creationism versus Darwinism in a cage match where only one could emerge victorious. But I came down that mountain with an understanding of the possibility that evolution and astronomy might be the way we observe the ongoing process of creation in the world around us. And we sang. A lot. We sang not only for our suppers, but for our breakfasts and lunches, too. Every gathering began with 10 to 15 minutes of singing, usually starting with raucous, up-tempo tunes and winding down with more mellow ones to prepare our minds to listen and reflect. And yes, Kumbaya was sung many, many times around many, many fires. Kumbaya is not without its problems, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I think it's getting a bad rap these days. It's thought of as a wimpy song about an unrealistic worldview where everybody just gets along, man. Witness these recent quotes. Speaking out against a program that would pay students for national service, evangelical leader Rick Santorum said, Someone's going to pick up trash in a park and sing Kumbaya around a campfire and then you're going to give them 90% of the benefits of the GI Bill? That's not what America's all about. The late Herman Cain, who died last summer of COVID-19 shortly after he attended an indoor political rally without a mask, said, Kumbaya is not a foreign policy strategy. Barack Obama said something similar with regards to his relationship with the Prime Minister of Israel. This can't be reduced somehow to a matter of let's all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. The right, of course. Peace treaties don't get signed because world leaders sing kumbaya. Is there anyone who thinks that they do? Why even mention it? Kumbaya is a spiritual that comes from the Gullah Geechee culture of the islands off South Carolina and Georgia. The title is simply a phonetic spelling of the way the words come by here shift when spoken in this dialect. Come by here becomes come by here becomes kumbaya. Kumbaya, kumbaya, kumbaya. The song has ties to the slave trade and was likely sung by slaves as a cry for divine intervention on behalf of an oppressed people. The song was first recorded in 1926, right about the time the Ku Klux Klan was rising in the South and installing statues of Confederate generals in public parks and state houses. Kumbaya quickly became a staple song of protests and marches against racism, labor exploitation, lynchings, and ultimately, the civil rights struggles of the 1950s and 60s, which led to the signing of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. 
the result of people taking to the streets, frequently holding hands and singing Kumbaya, was that buses, lunch counters, schools, hotels, and public parks were desegregated, and the President of the United States signed into law two bills that radically expanded freedom in America. Kumbaya is a soothing song, but it's also the song of the organizer. Come here. Someone's marching. Come here. Someone's crying. Come here. We're singing and dancing and laughing. Kumbaya has been successfully used over and over as part of people's collective action against injustice. Maybe that's why the politicians are so afraid of it. My only beef with Kumbaya is the use of the term, my lord. Not because I have any beef with anyone's spirituality. I absolutely don't. But a lord is just a regular person who gets to feel superior to other people because someone lucky enough to be born into a particular family told them that they can. I find this practice both nauseating and laughable. Lord also hints at the master-slave relationship with a higher power, and I really think it's time for that idea to pass on. So in this reclaiming of Kumbaya, let's eliminate the ideas of masters and slaves, of lords and ladies, and focus instead on the idea of community at the center of the song. It's both a recognition of and a call to experience together everything we do that makes us human. In our laughing, crying, living, and dying, we are more alike than we are different. Kumbaya welcomes all. It's a simple song. Anyone can learn it. Everyone can sing it. And when we learn to live it, it's possible that the world will change for the better. It's happened before. <sighs>
And that's July. I hope you'll get to spend some time outdoors with good friends around a campfire. If not, I hope we've provided a little taste of that experience here over the last hour. If you like what you hear, help us keep the rhythm of the seasons coming to you month after month by heading to livefromtheloungepodcast.com. That's livefromtheloungepodcast.com. Hit the donate button and share with us whatever you can. Thanks in advance for your generosity. Here's the who did what. The Rhythm of the Seasons is produced by Anne Kloss Farley. We're wishing her a speedy recovery with a brand new hip. Tim and Tom Zender performed This Is What Democracy Looks Like and Kumbaya. John Ballinger arranged and performed Summer Breeze. Matt and Carol Olmos wrote our summer camp radio play. You also heard them as the mom and dad. Albert Dayan and his son Henry played old and young Kevin, respectively. And I'm your host, Keith Farley. We'll be back in a month or so with another collection of stories, songs, and conversations, all intuitively designed to help you groove with the rhythm of the seasons.